Welcome everyone to the Underverse podcast. My name is Ali Reza and today I have a very special guest with me, Mandara Cromwell, who's an inventor, a scientist in the field of cymotherapy, which is a new field, a term she actually coined that refers to a vibrational uh, mode of healing using special sound codes, which she learned from a combination of Indian, ancient Indian understanding, and also from a British osteopath, Peter Guy Manners, who reportedly at the age of 97 had an amazing vibrancy about him. And apparently he was using the sound codes that he came came up with on himself. And this is a very uh, special field of knowledge and healing and science. And it's really at the forefront of healing. We're not using drugs and medicine to heal the body. We're using sound. And sound is very special because Sound is the nature of our world, is the nature of the universe. Even in the Bible, you have the verse in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the Indian teaching, we have Om, the sound, the, the primordial sound of creation. So sound is very special. It's at the groundwork, it's at the core of our being. And so we can use sound to address disease at the most fundamental basis. So Mandara Cromwell is a foremost scientist and healer in this area. Mandara Cromwell is the inventor of a few AMI devices. AMI stands for Acoustic Meridian Intelligence, and the term refers to the technology which essentially connects with our meridian system. And if you're aware of the meridian, system in links with our chakras and the meridians are these energy pathways which are abundant in our feet and in our hands so she's invented this technology where you place your feet on and then special sounds code get delivered through the body and provide profound healing effects really profound and in the video she goes into describe her own healing experiences and the testimonials she has from her clients so i'm really excited to share this interview with you guys I hope you enjoy it. So just to get us started with uh, Mandara, I really want you to elaborate on your understanding of what do you think sound is and its powers, its the potential it provides for us, and also how you came to the field of cymotherapy. And you can, if you could also define what cymotherapy means for us. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see, how long do I have to explain all of that? Just take um, as much time as you want. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's first of all begin with, um, in, in the beginning for me, as a child, I became aware of sound, of sound in my environment, and particularly the sounds of um, the chanting, singing, in a Gothic style church. And so that was just really very powerful for me as a child. And uh, not only was it just the architecture, but it was also the paintings, uh, the um, saints and the angels, their halos vibrated with uh, particular frequencies for me. Mm-hmm. And so it really made the whole experience very alive. And then when you combine that with uh, the Latin mass and uh, the pipe organ, mm-hmm. uh, just the whole church 
and uh, you know, we became these um, very intimate resonant cavities mm -hmm. that we were having this experience uh, or higher levels of consciousness of, of a dialogue uh, at a cellular level and at a, at a very mystical level. And then after college, I um, traveled to India and uh, in that particular part of my life, I uh, noticed that that culture is very similar to my experience uh, growing up a Catholic and that there were, uh, you know, we had the rosaries in uh, the Catholic uh, tradition in the, um, the Indian tradition, there's the malas, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, saints and, and siddhas, there was this overlap, and also in the architecture. So when you're in the architecture of that particular type of environment, we become very resonant, it's very easy to enter other mystical states of consciousness. And as I learned, so here, here we uh, jump off into um, Sanskrit. And when we're in the um, state of what we call Swadaya, the nectar of chanting of Sanskrit texts, and it's a special meter that we follow, our tongue is tapping different spaces within our oral cavity that release neurotransmitters. Mm. And they also affect the, uh, the organ systems within the physical body. And so you have this total healing experience, uh, physical, mental, emotional, and connecting with the divine. And of course, in that tradition, the uh, primordial sound is Aum. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can take just a moment here and connect with Om. Would you like that at this y point? Yeah, that would be amazing. That, um, you know, this is the, the primordial sound. And, and in the um, myths of creation, Lord Vishnu is resting on the cosmic shoreless ocean. And from the navel is a lotus flower with Lord Brahma, who emits that primordial sound of Aum, A-U-M, that resonates with different parts of our, our body, the, the lower torso, the mid torso, and, and the upper part of the body. So let's just all close our eyes and uh, just get comfortable for wherever you are. Rest your hands, if you could uncross your legs, uncross your arms, have your palms facing upward and take in a nice breath and just exhale. And we'll take in another nice breath. And this time when you're exhaling, release your shoulders, relax your jaw and just feel the breath flowing freely as you naturally inhale and exhale. When we get very quiet and listening to the breath, we can access different states of consciousness. And to help us, we can use a, what is called a, a Bija Mantra of Aum. And so I'm gonna ask you to take a deep inhale and as you exhale, just sound Aum 
in a very relaxed manner. You don't have to do a prolonged breath. Uh, we're going to do this in, in just a, a very modified version of what we would do possibly in a, a, a yoga class or a meditation class. So let's all inhale. And as you exhale, sound oh. and we in a relaxed way inhale again and for a second time we're going to sound om oh. And feel your breath center in your abdomen in a relaxed manner, it ascends up into the upper torso. Inhale and exhale. And on the next inhale, as you exhale, open your eyes. You may feel some tingling in your fingertips. Feel the relaxation in your shoulders. You may sense a light buzzing in your head, and this is normal. It's very normal for sound to release any constrictions within the body, the sound and vibration. And this is the beautiful dance of the universe of where we have this inhale and this exhale. And as we connect to the sound current in a conscious way, we can feel different parts of our physical body opening. Mm. And we can feel uh, our possibly our toes tingle or our fingers. Um, or maybe you feel nothing. Maybe you just feel very peaceful. Every experience is an yeah. okay experience. Yeah, that was fascinating. I, I feel like a lot more uh, stabilized. My energy is a lot more stabilized and uh, grounded. <clears throat> yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Yes, it's a great way for people, you know, if you're going into a business meeting or going into a um, a session of any sort, mm -hmm. to take a moment and center and be at that place of non-judgment, be at that place where your heart is open for love and compassion. Yeah, beautiful. And I think this is a great uh, stage for us to um, talk about what sound is and uh, you gave a really 
elaborate description of um, your your understanding of what sound is in terms of the the architecture um, and maybe that's the other part of sound is is geometrical manifestation sound cymatics uh, if if I may means sound made visual and so there is a direct relation between sound and geometry which is so when you go into a church um, as some people say it's like frozen music in a sense it's a vibratory field in which you place yourself in and uh, that was really beautiful <clears throat> I also wanted to talk about um, the the really the nature of sound uh, in in the Bible uh, there is a verse uh, I think it's the beginning of Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word the Word was with God and the Word was God and really to use that as a good groundwork to elaborate what sound is we're not talking about just some vibration something we hear in our environment it's not a physical thing it is an intelligent energy an intelligent energy which comes from consciousness and uh, I had I put a lot of thought into it and I came up with this understanding that sound is uh, consciousness in movement that from the point of Shiva the ultimate consciousness you get the movements of energy within that consciousness and then the, the movement itself is sound is vibration so our universe really the whole universe that in which we live in is made of sound so that's just a good place for us to really understand what sound is which is really the substance of our universe the thing that is creating our universe and then so i want you to elaborate on that and also to talk about how we can use sound to um, tap into the universal fields of let's say healing modalities and other other useful things if, if you may absolutely gosh that's really great ali how uh, how you describe that is uh in the vibration of consciousness is what we're tuning into and um this is exactly why sound is so powerful when it comes to healing so i'm going to um tell you about my time in um, India. I, I, I have been there many times, but in my first trip was very instrumental in carving my, my path forward for the next uh, decades. And uh, that is in my study of Ayurveda, which is the oldest medical system that still exists today. And um, Ayurveda is um, experiencing a resurgence and we have many schools coming um, on the map uh, for people to study this. And it's really a fantastic time for anyone to study just the basic principles of Ayurveda. Ayurveda means the science of life. Mm -hmm. So we're getting into reaching back to what uh, you're referring to the cosmic consciousness. Mm -hmm the universal principle, um, right down to the very core of what's happening at the cellular level. Mm -hmm. So in um, Ayurveda, uh, the science of life, it is um, approached that we are all part of the whole. We are all connected to that holy consciousness and the field of, of, of consciousness. And when we become ill, 
whether that be physically, mentally, emotionally, whenever that happens, it's because we become disconnected from that holy conscious field. So we are no longer whole, we have dropped down. And in Ayurveda, they um, talk about the five koshas, the five bodies. Uh, so we have the physical body and the four subtle bodies. And in the fourth body, the Vijnana Maya Kosha, which is the higher intellect mind, it is there that we have what is called the mistake of the intellect, where we drop, we, there, there, there's a, um, a break in our connection to the whole. And that is where in Ayurveda, we say that the dis-ease um, begins to happen. So now I, I'm going to step over to, you introduce cymatics, the study of wave phenomena, and which includes sound made visible or vibration made visible. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, for those of your listeners who uh, are unfamiliar with cymatics as we know of it today, they may have seen on the internet where there's a, uh, a membrane with a, a transducer underneath and then uh, sand or, or um, salt is sprinkled on the top of this membrane. And the sound emitted underneath that membrane causes geometric forms to appear. And so this is the science of, of cymatics. And this is really, uh, you know, has been around, I think, since the beginning of time, because we see those frozen structures in the holy places, in the temples, in the Gothic style um, churches, um, as the architects pass down their knowledge throughout history, this is part of their, um, their expertise of how mm -hmm. to create these different shapes because people who will come into these holy places will have these imprints on their uh, bodies, on their minds, on their spirits. And um, so we're looking at these patterns in two different ways, Ali. We are looking at them from um, in initially, how did we break from the holy field? How did we break from being whole? And so when that break happens, a pattern begins to emerge, whether it's conscious or unconscious, and, and usually it's an unconscious pattern mm -hmm. that begins taking shape. And so this pattern continues until we say, hey, we do not want the result of that pattern any longer in our lives. So let's go. And, and so a very simple example of this is we go out into the world and there's a lot of stimulation and people talking and, and we'll say there's a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. But when we go into the temple where it's very quiet and we have this grid pattern, this other healthy pattern, we become quiet and we, we find ourselves again. So those are identifying two different patterns, what benefits us and where do we get off on um, you know, an unhealthy pattern? 
And so in today's age, we have a lot of people, they're going to work and they're coming home and they have all the duties of home, then they're going, then have the, the, um, the duties and responsibilities of their job. And they do not take time to have that in between the breath of OM. They don't have, uh, they don't take the time or make a conscious decision that I'm going to pause here in the pattern. Mm-hmm. It's when we don't um, identify that we want to change the pattern and that pattern keeps running us that we spin out into another, we'll say universe. And that can cause a, a, a physical or, or um, emotional, psychological uh, illness that is undesirable. So how can we use cymatics uh, to bring us back into some part of coherence to help us cope with the world? And of course, going to a holy spot is, uh, is great, no, no matter what the uh, religious affiliation if there are builders who have constructed this um, place on Earth, technology maybe. <laughs> technology. If the if if this yeah. has been constructed to help us, it will bring us back into a, a a level of coherence where then we have a coping mechanism. Yes, I think that goes into the understanding that these buildings are not really. Well, there are on some levels religious buildings, but on another level, there are technology that allows us to connect. And I think that's what's missed out in today's culture is we don't know what these buildings are for. We just think it's for Christians to go and pray. But actually, there's a lot that happens on multiple levels of reality. When we go in, what Dr. Ibrahim Karim calls the centering effect, we become centered. And I think that's that's what's lost is that the understanding that the earth, just like the human body, has uh, acupuncture points, energetic points. Probably on these points, uh, these architects um, started to build structures to to tap into the energy of that area. And I think we've lost that knowledge. And how do you see us uh, reformulating our understanding of what church is and really bringing that knowledge back to the people again so that they don't have the this kind of resistance to go into the church, they're more open to go. How do you see that happening? How can we reformulate uh, reformulate this? <laughs> Education, uh, bringing it to the surface. You know, for centuries, a lot of this information was hidden from the general public. Uh, Pythagoras had schools, you know, secret uh, mystery schools where people, you know, if they knew some of these principles would misuse the information. Mm-hmm. But now we're at a time where the world really needs to know about uh, some of these principles mm-hmm. and how to help people come come back. Otherwise, we'll just spin out and <laughs> <laughs> combust, right? Yeah. So, so it is the education of um, the people who are in the know, for the people who uh, recognize that, hey, we need to share this with our our brothers and sisters who are here on the planet with us. And that we, um, you know, you started off referring to consciousness, to become aware, to become conscious of every act 
is holy, to become conscious of every thought, every vibration that we think and then act on is an act of holiness, an act mm -hmm. of our whole physical, mental, emotional expression while we're here on this beautiful planet. Now, you know, we can tie this into the Vedic literature of, you know, the, the Nataraja, the dance of the Lord, mm -hmm. and uh, bring in all of those spiritual teachings, which again, are cymatic images, you know, spheres, uh, uh, just floating around us, waiting for us to acknowledge them and to devour that sweetness, mm -hmm. that truth in consciousness. So if we teach our architectural students about the universal laws, um, and, and I was gonna um, share here a quote by uh, a Nobel laureate where he says, the golden ratio is the key to universal physics. Mm -hmm. And that is Sir Edward Victor Appleton, who uh, was the Nobel laureate in 1947. And so this is no secret. We just have to shift our attention to it. We have to pay attention to this is valuable and should be one of the principles in our conscious creations of temples and places to go where we heal places of where we go to become whole the sacredness because we are divine beings here having a human experience and so i think the next so there's education of, of how do we um how do we our our, our larger buildings how do those architects learn the mm -hmm. secrets of the tradition that really help people and, and uplift as opposed to taking away? Now, I do want to say there is an advantage to all of the square and rectangular buildings that came, you know, in, in the past hundred years. It Those shapes cause us to think differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so because of shifting the pattern, we energetically shift with that. Mm -hmm. And when we energetically shift with that, a lens opens, a portal becomes available to us that we examine, hmm, what about this? It, how is this space? How is the energy exhibiting in this space impacting us? And so then I will um, reach to a, a, another level, and that is how we can use these techniques ourselves to help us. Because at some point we go, we have to be responsible, especially we're at a time uh, that is so ripe for people realizing they need, they need to take responsibility for their own health. We got into this cycle where people go to the doctor and they give a diagnosis and then they prescribe this pill. And so then we have this new concept of, I have this pill, what is the, or I have this ill, what is the pill to remove this pattern? And we want it quick, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
but Ayurveda and and all of the other the old traditions of Chinese medicine and the those medical systems that observe the natural laws, the five elements, and how we make it through the, the seasons. Though mm-hmm. so the, the the natural laws teach us how to coexist on this plane. So it is not one pill for one ill and take it away and tomorrow I'll be all better. It's a process. And so in that process, we need to create our own environment, our own physical environment, which will, uh, I'll just go ahead and finish here, the architectural uh, uh, tangent of, we have the gifts in in, um, Ayurveda and and, uh, the Vedic text of Vastu Shastra, which is, uh, and in Chinese, the Feng Shui. And so these are the arts of placement and how we work with spaces. And as you mentioned, Dr. Kareem is a, a, a you know modern day prophet of sharing with us to watch, see what structures, see what geometries give you energy, mm-hmm. see which ones deplete your energy. And you know there are some people uh, would call this woo woo, but we are coming back full circle knowing that these are tried and true sciences that have existed for millennia of you know how to honor the elements and how to honor the forces so we're getting into our own responsibilities of how do we create our space and you know your mother probably told you if your room is a mess your mind is a mess so clean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Many times. <laughs> so so anyway, we take that and then, you know, we can get into sound and, and how we heal, but we, we want to surround ourselves with the geometries, the mm. patterns that support us. Yes. I just want to touch upon one of the things you said. You said so much and I could go in a rabbit hole, but I just want to... Um, ask you a question about how you thought the modern architecture, like the triangular and the square shapes, they play a function, even though it may be negative in some ways. And that goes into the work of Rudolf Steiner, which I think you have referred to in your work. Um, I've listened to a bunch of your lectures and how the, the modern man is coming from evolving from a right brain perception to a left brain perception of learning and mastering the art of logical thinking and linear linear thinking which allows individuals to think for themselves to form arguments whereas i think rudolf steiner said the ancient man kind of just knew stuff just knew it without logical processes it was more of an intuitive just like a download of, of information so do you see this evolution to then going into okay now we have developed our right brain perception we have developed our left brain perception of linear thinking logical thinking and with our philosophy with our architecture now what is the next step is the next step amalgamating integrating them and what is the next step and how do we go to the next step do we build structures that's more circular shapes um because circular shapes are more uh, feminine in in archetypal nature and 
a lot of the mosques and a lot of the buildings, even uh, I studied at Oxford, a lot of the buildings at Oxford are circular shapes. Um, not a lot of them, actually a few, but a few really interesting ones and ancient ones. Um, how how do we move towards the next generation? Is that we have to bring these ideas together or are we actually going to get rid of all of the architecture, all of the um, philosophy that goes with that? How do you, how do you see that uh, evolving? It is evolving. And I, I think the first step is becoming aware. Uh, you know, we are taught as young children, identify what's different. You know, what's wrong with this picture? You know, what, what's the thing that sticks out that is not right? And so we're, we're on this process, uh, this evolutionary uh, pathway of recognition of what's really happening here. And I think this is, as, as we're right now, I believe at this time in history, where we're having great assistance from the planets and you know the uh, the elements, um, because when Mother Nature acts, we are usually not prepared for that. And so when we have Mother Nature come in and wipe out a whole area, instead of just building it right back, maybe we should pause for a moment and say, what is the best design instead of all of the squares and the uh, rectangles? And because we kind of had enough of that for a while, so we now need to swing the pendulum back to the center. And you touched on something um, in your phrase of how initially we just knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was, uh, when, um, on the first time when, uh, my first trip to India, when I was, um, learning, um, about Ayurveda. And so, you know, coming from the West, we have a, a different perception of medicine and, and, uh, the pro disease process. And I was having this really difficult time wrapping my head around doshas and elements and um, shrotas and <laughs> all, all of the parts of, of the um, Ayurveda medicine language and, and uh, different parts of the body, et cetera. And I was so frustrated. I was just like seething. I'm, I'm uh, you know, the teacher must have seen that I had fire flames <laughs> <laughs> emitting from everywhere. And he took my hand and, and just patted it gently. And he said, I think if you go to the temple and sit there, you will find the language. Mm. And so I'm like, Okay, great. I love to go to the temple because it's so hot there. The marble is the only cool place, right? So I'm marching off to the temple. And I realized at that time, Ali, that is when I felt a whole sonic realignment of my psyche. I felt it, it's kind of like I was in a square building. And suddenly, sitting in that temple, the energies rounded and softened and I fell into a deep meditation 
And when I came out like three and a half hours later, I had no idea I was there that long. But when I came out, it was like I did have a deeper understanding. There was not the language barrier that I once had when I was like the only American student in, in the class. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing that experience with you and your listeners because probably everybody has had some frustrating point in their life. And I thought it was very interesting that the teacher sent me to the temple in that grid pattern. Now, was it the temple because priests had been there for hundreds of years chanting mantras, uh, you know, and, and holding that vibration? Mm -hmm. uh, was it because of that architecture? Or was it because I was so frustrated that finally the cool marble melted me? <laughs> <laughs> so, but really, it's all of that. So I, I'm, I'm trying to share that it's never just one thing. In shifting the pattern, in shifting the cymatics of it all, there's an action, a reaction, another action, and a reaction just like in the chemistry lab. Mm -hmm. So I think that we'll all come in meditation. There are thousands of research papers from our top universities on the value and the extraordinary benefits of meditation. I think as we move to a place where people begin to just get quiet and meditation isn't affiliated with any particular sect or religion, just if we tell people, have some time to get quiet. And, uh, you know, there was a great yogi, uh, uh, Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, who just said 20 minutes twice a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, take a coffee break and <laughs> close your door and <laughs> do this. And so be, based on those um, studies, I have created cymatic meditations or, or I call them uh, relaxation meditations that are only five, six, seven minutes in length. And we've done research on these where gazing at these particular cymatic images, the stress indices shift dramatically in just six or seven minutes wow. of people who are, are sufferers of, of, um, PTSD, um, there were people in, in the study who um, had constant migraines, people in the study who um, suffered from depression and anxiety. So we had a, a pilot study of a, a 50 people who were pretty much across the board of suffering from some type of um, situation that was impacting their quality of life, impacting their uh, relationships, impacting their productivity. Uh, and so these, this is how we use in, in my company and, and, and what I have um, discovered that just gazing at a particular image for a very short period of time rearranges how the brain, that lens that we look through to help calm the respiratory system and uh, kind of turn us around on another path. And how did you discover these patterns? Did you uh, use any cymatic technologies? What was the process? 
that went behind uh i mean you don't have to disclose uh like information that you know that you can't but like how, how what was the process of coming up with these with these diagrams full disclosure full disclosure okay <laughs> so, so how how i got this idea um ali is that uh, when i was in india i learned a specific uh, technique called drishti and mm. where we would gaze at the Sri Yantra. Mm. And so yogis use this technique to access higher states of consciousness. So it's a form of meditation. And, and for those of the listeners who don't know what the Sri, Sri Yantra is, it's a, a geometric form that um, um, resonates with creation. And so, uh, and that's a whole workshop in itself. Yeah. But anyway, so, so I learned this yogic technique. And when I came back to the United States to, uh, you know, integrate Ayurveda and meditation, et cetera, and I was teaching mantra. And mantra as a tool to help get into a meditative state where we're just observing the thoughts. We aren't blanking out our thoughts where we're, we become the witness, the observer. And um, I remember at that time saying, I wish I could make this mantra visible because in the temples in India, they have, you mm. know, these yantras and these sounds made visible, carved that frozen sound into the, the columns in the temples. And, um, so years later, when I came across the work of Dr. Hans Yeni, and he was making sound visible in, in a modern, you know, using modern technology, I was, aha, this, I wish I had had that teaching my meditators back then. <laughs> so um, now I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to jump over to another track of how I made these particular images. Okay. So I met um, Dr. Peter Guy Manners, who's a British osteopath. And um, when I met him, he was 97 years old and he moved like a 30 year old. He had a full head of hair, fully cognizant, you know, and you look at someone at that age with that level of vibrancy and you say, wow, what is he doing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what's his secret? So I realized that he was in this sea of frequencies every day in his clinic mm. as people would come to see him, just different, you know, sets of frequencies. So anyway, I, I became his student and then later I became a business partner and um, began producing devices for him. Um, so there's a particular, so with the body of work that he left me, there are over 750, we call them codes. Mm. And, and each code uh, is representative of some part of the body. So there's a code for the liver. Mm -hmm. There's a code for the pancreas. There's a code for the thyroid. There's a code for the, pan, uh, the, the kidneys. So each of these codes consists of five frequencies. So when they're produced simultaneously, they create harmonics and subharmonics. So then I um, met 
a, 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 a who's now become a, a friend of mine, John Reed, who is in the UK in the Lake District, right? And so John was innovating the cymoscope. He was taking Dr. Yenny's work and, um, you know, modernizing it. And so I asked John if he would make visible some of the codes that mm. I was working with. So there's one particular code that I have now. So I'm, I'm going to, um, that there's one particular code for the etheric sheet. Mm. So if we jump back to the five bodies, okay, the, uh, the Panchakoshas. So there's one called the, uh, the etheric body that knits our, that is the blueprint of our physical body. And so I thought, what if we make that sound visible and people watch, view, meditate on that particular geometry? What would that do? Could that reinforce? Because as we become physically ill uh, or emotionally or psychologically disconnected from our blueprint, this energetic pattern changes and diminishes and we lose energy. It's kind of like having a, a, a hole in the balloon and, and mm -hmm. the air is, is, you know, you're losing air, you're losing air in your tires or something like that. So we want to shore up this etheric image for, the, for our body. So I asked John if he would create this uh, cymatic pattern and uh, for those I have a book, I wrote a book, and so it's on the front cover of my book. But I've also, and I have here, uh, a, a, a scarf. So we have silk scarves wow, that, have the, that have the uh, geometries on them. And, you know, people uh, wear them. They use them as altar scarves. They place them over their third eye. Uh, we lay them on the torso for people when we have our healing sanctuary days. Um and Ali, it's amazing how mm -hmm. this simple thing could affect a person. But we have people who uh, have experiences and they calm down uh, using the cymatic uh, meditations or, or, or the images. Yeah. Um, I, and in your own experience, is the images the same effect as the sound? I'm just assuming the sounds would be more powerful because they're they're directly yeah, yeah they're directly uh kind of exposed to the body whereas the the images i suppose you have to maybe become aware of the images or not just become aware of them but wear them in certain areas but the sounds just feel like a lot more tangible a lot more concrete than than the geometry i've always had problem understanding how these shapes that Dr. Ibrahim Karim introduces actually affects the energy field. But when it comes to sound, it's a lot more straightforward, right? Like we have music therapy, we have, so your work and the work you inherited from Peter Guy Manners, you said there was 700 and something sound codes. My first question is, how did he even discover these sound codes? What did he do? What experiments did he do? Did he uh, experiment different frequencies on people and see how to respond or was there some knowledge he had of certain sacred geometrical patterns and then did he do any experiments to observe 
how it affects the human ph uh, physiology. Um, yeah, how does that work? I'm just really interested. How did this happen? <laughs> well, um, that, that's a very interesting question. So, um, I uh, he was the last living member of a collaborative group of scientists and researchers who were researching the biosignatures at the end of the Second World War. Mm. So he went to Germany because he heard that after the war, there was a laboratory that was working with sound. Mm. So he had already investigated radionics and, and some of those other vibrational technologies. Um, but he, so he went to Germany and most of the codes were already uh, discovered for the liver, for the, so, and we can go into that uh, if, if you want to. But anyway, um, so he, as the last living member, uh, was working with pretty much everything that had already been discovered, but in a clinical format. Mm -hmm. So they had already tested and, and um, had clinics themselves. But as the youngest member who then brought it back, uh, that's how it happened. He did have certain gauges and, and uh, mechanical dials and things like that in his basement that he also did a little bit of research um, you know, as he was starting his clinical practice in the Cotswolds, but uh, but most of it had already been done. So when I met him, uh, was a very interesting situation, um, in that somebody just called me on the telephone. I was in a, in America, a, a U.S., and I was a consultant to medical offices who were looking to get out of the insurance model and into how can they offer therapies that would help their, their patients. And so I received this phone call one day from this person who started, uh, he had a, a yogic background as well. And so we were talking about the Bija mantras and um, all kinds of things, Ayurveda. And then he's telling me about Peter Manners. And as I'm listening to this, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is a sound box that is emitting frequencies and people are having these major shifts in their physical health. They don't have to believe anything. I didn't have to convince anybody of Ayurveda and being around and, and the natural laws and, you know, meditate and, and, and all of these things. I thought this would really help a lot of people. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, you know, how can I help you? And he said, I don't know. All I know is that he's going to die and nobody's going to know their, his information. Mm. And so I was like, okay. I said, well, uh, I'll uh, think about this and get back to you. And as soon as I hung up the phone, my office wall blew out and there was this huge angelic being. Now, I'm not a person who makes things up, but... <laughs> <laughs> There, there I was having this experience and I felt this very profound tap on my thoracic spine, like you need to do something. Mm. And so it was then that I called Dr. Manners and began interviewing him and asking him about his process. 
So then when I went to the UK to study with him, that's when I, I learned about all of the 750 codes and the things that he was having success with, which were primarily osteopathic uh, situations, arthritis and uh, bone spurs and mm. things like that. And of course, that was back before we had a lot of um, access to assessment tools like ultrasound and, and um, um MRI, those types of things. So it has been my journey to take those 750 codes and figure out how to layer them and how to get a response and prove that uh, and get some things published. Yeah, and that's an amazing place for uh, for us to get to know the devices you, you've actually invented, the AMI 850, AMI 500, and AMI stands for Acoustic Meridian Intelligence. And how you invented this, how long it took you, the research that went behind it, did you put all the 750 sound codes into um, compact uh, like files or compact information that could then be delivered through the transducer um, that goes um, below the feet, you place your feet on? How how was the the journey of researching and inventing this technology, and also what was the effects the people were having, and more importantly, what was the effects you were experiencing? Because I'm really interested in your own personal experiences of the devices you invented, and how how that changed <laughs> how that changed you, and did it have a, such a profound effect? In the first time you tried it, did that take time? Just take me through the, the journey, how how that works. I'm really fascinated. Yeah. Okay, I'll uh, I'll take you to the peaks. I won't delve into the valleys because, as any entrepreneur will tell you, yeah, yeah I, I know. I know. <laughs> there there are some dark nights of the soul. Um, <laughs> I go into one of them in my book, but anyway. Um, so when I was first working with Dr. Manners and the first device I made for him was not too far from the device that he was making, which was kind of a base unit. Uh, so pretty much everybody here um, has seen probably a VCR or a VHS player or a, a receiver for um, uh, stereo, whatever. So it was a, a, a device like that and a keypad and an applicator that, that you would apply to different parts of the body. And so I that was the first device that I made for him while he was still alive. And um, so the learning curve, Ali, was very steep. Mm. Uh, I think it was shorter for me because of my background in uh, Ayurveda and in Chinese medicine and, and knowing about the meridian system and but it seemed to take other people quite a long time. And um, so I would hear from people who had the device and they were using it just for one in their own home for, for one particular issue or so. And, um, and they would call me and they would tell me these phenomenal stories and I would get lost in all of the benefits that they were telling about, about how to improve their, 
their lives. And I would think to myself, I have to get one of those devices. <laughs> and then I go, oh, wait a minute. I make that device. So here's the key. I was not using the device. Mm-hmm. Because you had to hold it. You had to hold this applicator. So the applicator has some weight to it because it's got like a three to four pound transducer in it. Mm. So a person who's not real strong or healthy would get very tired of holding it. But I'm a healthy person and I got lazy. I didn't want to hold it. So there came a time when the parts became obsolete for that device. About the same time, this is back in 2008, and there was this huge economic crisis. Mm -hmm. And I was outsourcing the manufacturing at that time. And the manufacturer said, the market is crashing. I was his only tech customer. And he said, we're not gonna make your device anymore because I'm not gonna hire people just for this. And um, so there I was with no manufacturer, no parts. And this is where I have that dark night of the soul when you you feel like you've been kicked in the stomach and you're on the floor in a fetal position gasping for breath for months, you know, saying what, what, and so I felt, okay, what am I going to do with all these people who are already out there who are using my device? What about the people who are interested in being helped? You know, I really felt that I, part of my service here on this planet was to help people make this bridge from Western medicine to energy medicine. And one day it came to me that the meridians in the hands that that, uh, begin and end in the hands and the feet are powerful portals Mm -hmm. to access the super highways of this inner network communication system within our bodies. And so that's how I came up with the the platform of this. And and so I, I, I have one here that I'll just show with you. So you can see that you just put your feet on this device and I do have some research on uh, in other videos and, and on my website about the effectiveness of using the Meridian system, that it is a super highway mm-hmm. of getting the sound all throughout the body. Yes. It, it's really powerful. So um, I'll share with you uh, an uh, instance of um, a, someone who came to me for pain, because according to the FDA, the device relieves pain and stress. Mm-hmm. So, so that is my box, so to speak. That uh, so I don't make any medical claims. If you know something very challenging shifts and you have a new lease on life, I say I'm really happy I could be a part of that, but I don't make any claims. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a a woman who came to me early on. She um, was a breast cancer survivor and she was an artist. And they had in the reconstruction portion of the surgery attached the prosthesis to the chest wall and that staple was causing her pain. So she didn't really wanna undergo surgery again. She wanted to see if maybe um, 
the device that I was using could could help her with the, the level of pain. So when we in, in Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and the natural medicines, there is an understanding that the disease is an opportunity to reconnect with your spiritual path. And when a disease becomes apparent in your physical world, it is a tap on the shoulder mm. to deal with that, but more importantly, to examine the pattern that caused that condition. And so in this case is usually an emotional pattern. So I asked her in her uh, preliminary interview, I said, you know, uh, I explained this, that, you know, cancer is usually a, a specific pattern uh, that stems from the emotional body. Do you feel like you have, uh, can relate this to any emotional condition previously in your life? And she said, yes. And then told me that story and said, she felt that she had dealt with that and resolved that emotional issue. Now all she had was just this pain in her chest wall. And if there was anything else happening uh, with her, she felt a little bit of an artist block. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, so after her 30 minute session, all sessions are 30 minutes in length. After her 30 minute session, she left. And for new clients, I am always asking if they will please report back to me within 24 hours, either through an email or a phone call, just tell me how they're doing. And I didn't hear from this woman for three days. Wow. I began to get a little uh, concerned. And so finally, at the end of the third day, I reached her on the telephone and she said, um, I want to tell you about that sound. <laughs> <laughs> so I was holding my breath then. <laughs> and uh, I said, yes. And she said, whatever it was, I drove straight to my studio and I have been painting three days straight. Wow. I have painted my whole fall collection and I can't wait for you to come to the opening. <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is great. So, but let's look at this, Ali. Yeah. When we're in pain, it is taking up space in our environment. The pain went away and the creativity came right in for her. Mm. And so it released that constriction and it allowed space for her artistic expression to come forth. So I went to her art opening and I was amazed that every painting was of the Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> so... I wonder I said, why. <laughs> I said to her, I said, oh, I, I, I didn't realize you're, you're a Buddhist. And she said, no. She said, I'm Episcopalian or something like that. <laughs> and she said that this just came to me. She said it was coming through me. I mm. couldn't stop. She said, I couldn't mix the paint fast enough. I couldn't get the next canvas ready fast enough. And so she's you know, painting all this, well, you know, you think, what does the Buddha symbolize? You know, in, in our current day culture, uh, pictures and statues of the Buddha are, are of peace and calm, tranquility. Mm -hmm. 
things that we really need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. It sounds like almost she was channeling the, the information. I don't know if your devices are designed to help people channel. <laughs> I mean, that sounds crazy, really. What was your experience of your own devices? I'm really interested. The first time you tried your own device, what, what was the experience? How did you feel? Well, yeah, uh, the first uh, experiences for me, and I actually, I, I still have this uh, similar experience every time using it, is that the vibration, and, and there's very little vibration. So, so sometimes people purchase the device and they call me up and they say, it's not vibrate, you know, it's not a vibrational plate. No, it, it's just gentle sound vibrations that are working on a very subtle level mm. to, to shift the patterns of, of illness. And so for me, as I sit with my feet on, I, I feel the immediate tingling and that the cells are like happy and they're dancing. <laughs> And it's whirling around a little bit similar to when um, in the, the temples, when, when we're chanting the Sanskrit chants of that buzzing. It's, it's, it's like a buzzing that's kind of uh, cleaning out the cobwebs. Mm -hmm. So any little area of constriction is just kind of gently massaging it to say, come on, we can give way. Come on, just relax this area. Come on, just breathe here. Allow this beautiful space to, to open and receive. And, and so for me, it, it's that type of device. You know, there are people who use the devices and they're doing other things, multitasking. But I tell them it's only 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you deserve 30 minutes for yourself to reconnect to your sacredness, to your holiness. I have created, so it, on the device, there are like 20 different channels. Mm -hmm. And so there's for pain relief and stress relief and um, inflammatory pain. Um, there's one for the respiratory system, the immune system, the nervous system, the cardiovascular yeah. system, all kinds of you know different things. But I created one particular channel that you'll be interested to know about called vitality mm -hmm. and this is the for those who say i want to have that spiritual experience <laughs> or i want to have a, a a you know i have a problem that i'm dealing with you know like a math problem or or a construction problem i had a construction uh, person not long ago a builder who was trying to figure something out and anyway this is the channel I use on, on them. And they report various, uh, one person said, I, I felt the hand of God touch me on my forehead. Uh, another person, you know, went to an, an ancient culture and uh, a, a wise man spoke to her. Um, now I'm not saying this is for, for everybody. Uh -huh. I'm just saying that when our physical constrictions resolve, then the energy moves to the next level of the onion mm -hmm. to peel. Because we are on this constant journey to transmute, to transform, to transcend. 
and to become one with our, our higher self. So wherever there's a constriction and that pattern, we say we, we want, we make the intention. We want to change that pattern and receive a message. When you go in with that consciousness, it happens. Yes. Now it does not, it does not happen. Uh, and I'll share with you about the, uh, we had a study with veterans and these were veterans from um, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, some who came back from Iraq and uh, that uh, Afghanistan. And so one particular person said, I feel when I am on my device, like I did before I went to war, so he's not saying that the memory has been erased. He's saying it's no longer has a charge. Mm -hmm. It's no longer running that program. That pattern has shifted and his wife is so happy because now they can go out to dinner. Whereas before his uh, PTSD he never wanted to go out. He did not want to socialize. And that's pretty common with people who suffer from traumatic stress. Yeah. And you mentioned the diagrams, uh, the, the medical benefits, the healing benefits. Is it the sound uh, technologies you've created are on a different scale of benefits compared to the to the visual aspect of the what you compared to the Sri Yantras that you've created, are there comparable effects in the in those two medium? Or is is the sound a lot more powerful than the than the visual? And can it can you use them together or have you used them together to see if they have any enhanced effects? You can use them together. And and it's very powerful. And this is really um when people say, I am tired of my life like this. I really up for the shift. So give it to me. And and we have to walk uh, people in because sometimes people, we have people who uh, come to us who have been thrown on the medical trash heap and they have suffered the side effects of a lot of different medications throughout the years and, um, or surgeries or, you know, anyway, we have to, uh, work with them in that way. Those people, we start a little slower because we don't want to, you know, hit people with a two by four of sound because the sound is profound mm. and it is much more profound than just looking at the, the design of the sound. But when you marry all of them, uh, you do have a, a, a um, faster shift. So um, we also encourage people to charge their water mm, yeah. so on the plate. You can imprint the water with the uh, channel that you're working with. And that's particularly valuable for systemic situations like candida or, or parasites, uh, fungus, and, and, you know, some things like that. Um, 
but you know, I, I also drink the Vitality um, water that I was just talking to you about because it is like an energetic cup of coffee. It is just, you know, I feel it uh, flushing through me and all my cells are going, oh, thank you. So, um, but for those who don't have a device, the meditations are profound as well as the scarf. I've also uh, imprinted some organic rose oil. Um, and then that helps with the, you know, we, those are for the people who really like to have a more conscious practice, a ritualistic practice and people go ritual. Oh no, I, you know, that ritual sounds too, um, <laughs> too woo woo for me, but you know, we do rituals every day, getting up, brushing your teeth, washing your face, uh, preparing for your breakfast, uh, making your tea, your coffee, your, uh, smoothie, whatever. These are all part of our daily rituals. So part of your daily ritual, you deserve it to have just a few moments of meditation or, or quiet time with yourself, a time where you truly love and care for yourself, no matter what that is. If you sit down and, and you're trying to be quiet and your laundry list is going through and I need to do this and I need to call that, you know, that's okay. Just let it, let it go. Let it run wild, but just sit, at least get the physical body calm for just a little while. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. And I want to go back to um, the, the churches um, and the sacred spaces. In terms of using your device, um, if you combine it with the visual aspects, in a way you're creating um, both design aspects, which which is like the church, so that's the visual surrounders um, that you've created through the uh, cymatic devices, and then you're also giving the sound codes through the the device as a transducer in, in in the body, and that can be compared to the, the the sacred chants, but in a specialized kind of acupuncture uh, precision that goes through the body, and I think that's really fascinating. Another. Another area where I came across this idea of the hands and the feet being important for healing is, is the idea of earthing, uh, how we connect to the shaman resonances of the planet when we work barefoot on the earth. And uh, and most likely the, the heartbeat of the earth, the shaman resonances are going through the, the acoustic meridian intelligence and they're flooding the body. And that's why I think earthing is so profound, whether you're walking barefoot or are you swimming in the sea? Um, how do you situate the technology you've built in the context of like earthing, connecting with the earth? Uh, is, is other differences? Uh, have you had any experiences with earthing? Can you compare? Can you compare and contrast them? That would be fascinating for me. Yes. So, and, and this is, you know, the basis of Ayurveda and, and the natural medicines that are out there of how we work with the forces of the earth and we don't spend enough time connecting in nature. And uh, we recommend, uh, particularly for our um, chronically ill patients to find some time at least once a week where they go out and just sit in nature. Uh, it could be 
anywhere, a, a park or a golf course, uh, a, you know, if you, if you can get into the forest, that is mm -hmm. really super. But what happens is when we are barefoot on the earth, we're absorbing those frequencies, those natural frequencies, and the body is highly intelligent of where to take that vibration. And this is why I call this series AMI, Acoustic Meridian Intelligence, because the body's innate intelligence far supersedes anything our logical mind mm -hmm. might try to put together for us. So putting ourselves in a natural cocoon like that gives us access to amazing regenerative power. Also, it increases the oxygenation in the blood. And there was a research, actually, um, John Reed uh, did a, a research project and included different uh, music in this uh, research of blood. And he also included some of the, the codes from the AMI devices. And what he found is that there was an increase of cell viability. This means that the cell membrane became, uh, had longevity and it became more permeable to uh, absorb the mm. nutrition. And then it actually had um, this increase of over 365% of cell viability. With oxygenation, the oxygenation increased 15%. Now, this is really a key right now because we're talking about earthing, we're talking about connecting with the earth, and we don't have enough of it. Because of the uh, pollution in the air, we're not breathing as much oxygen as we once did. And this is also, you know, the environmental toxins and, and um, many things that are in our environment that we're just not receiving as much oxygen. Also, people do not know how to breathe anymore. They don't know, and, and this is something that we should teach our children, that there are three parts to the lungs. And today, we're only breathing from the upper lungs, this, this shallow breathing. And so it's really important that we do things to increase the oxygenation in our body, in our blood. And of course, the crazy viruses that are out there, they have an impact upon us as well. So the earthing, uh, using the sound of, of course, you know, I'm telling you about my device, but there is other vibration out there in nature that to connect with. Mm. And how do you know it's working? I will tell you the secret. This is a simple, simple secret. I learned it from Dr. Alfred Tomatis. He said there are just two types of sounds. Those that give you energy and those that deplete your energy. Mm, interesting. If you yeah. are, if you feel depleted, change the pattern. Yeah. And how do you see modern music affecting our, our energy and environment? I'm, I don't want to be biased either negatively or positively towards modern music. But do you feel like modern music has negative effects that goes beyond um, that goes beyond what is available in front of our eyes. We don't we don't see it affecting us negatively. 
But do you think modern music uh, compared to classical music has negative effects on our energy? Um, by modern music, I'm using it very generally. I, I mean, modern beat. I, I know, I think I know what, I know, um, you know what, yeah. what I mean by that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you know, you're, I, I, I see you're, you're being very gentle here and I too want to be gentle and because I have a lot of parents who say, how do I get my kid to stop listening to that? And so we, we, we need to, uh, teach our children about the quality of music versus noise mm -hmm. because there's a certain amount especially in the younger uh young adult years where the hormones are really released and and you know what are they doing with all of this and you know parents have a you know already they're working and they're trying to make the bills and and uh live in the world how are they you know then they have to take the child to extracurricular activities to help channel this energy right and so the music uh comes into play quite early in the game and you know i tell the parents to just ask your child do you feel like this is giving you energy or depleting your energy do you feel like this is helping you in school when you are focusing on your math or you're reading your literature you know whatever the subject is is this helping your comprehension? Are you understanding why the teacher wants you to read this? Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that is no, 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 then that music is not supporting them in that particular task so or exercise. So it depends on the individual, how they experience. And I don't want to get into conspiratorial fields, but what are your thoughts on the changing of the tuning of musical instruments from 432 to 440 i think it's 440 if i'm if i'm right and how that affects our consciousness and is that is that something that is very important in how we view ourselves and and others and the reality around us um to be honest personally i listen to both mm -hmm. And, uh, and John did do some experiments on blood with the different uh, 440, 432, uh, and um, there was one other one. But anyway, and he found no difference mm -hmm. in it. But, but that doesn't say, you know, I mean, that's just one experiment. This whole field is brand new, really. Yeah. And we're um, creating a new language around it. We're creating new experiments to to delve into what is this actually doing. And for the music, I would like to say that there are some beats that are opposite of the natural heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And when the natural heartbeat becomes disturbed, that affects our brain. That affects all the organ system. It in, affects the whole totality of, of our experience. And so if we don't listen to enough music, that is the heartbeat, that meter, then um, we verge on um, not serving ourselves very well. You know, I don't want to say it's catastrophic, but some people say that that is where maybe we get into people going off the deep end or way back when they used to call it going postal, or, you know, it just shoves 
the psyche to that point where there's an outburst that is an explosion or implosion of, on the person. Yeah. So we need to be conscious of this. And, and it's the same thing with, you know, we have a lot of uh, people who have coming, are coming into the sound field with ringing the, the bells, the forks, the bowls, and, and creating gongs, uh, sound baths, and, and things like this. And this is wonderful. However, there is the consequence of people who might have a uh, not a super reaction, and, and we need to examine that. What do you mean by super reaction? Sorry, I'm not sure. Well, um, I uh, remember I coordinated a, a sound event, gosh, I think it was maybe 18 years ago wow. of, a, of a gong, um, gong bath. And, and there was a person who attended this event who was into sound and she was using sound. She was using binaural beats and in her practice. And she's actually a therapist, you know, so she's an educated person who knows about sound. And so she came in and I told people if they wanted to lie down, they could bring, you know, yoga mats and pillows and whatever. And I down. she came and she laid her, her, um, mat very near one of the gongs. And so the session began, and I think there were probably about 60 people there. The session began and about 20 minutes in, I saw her frantically get up, scoop everything up and dart out the door. <laughs> and <I'm> like, wow. <laughs> what could, you know, as, as the organizer of the event, I'm like, hmm, you know, I, but yeah. since I knew, since I knew her, I called her up the next day and I said, Hey, you, you know, I noticed that you'd left very abruptly. What was going on? And she said, now she is a person who's conscious. Mm -hmm. Something had bubbled up within her psyche for her to deal with. And she just could not hold on to it. Mm-hmm. So she left and she had been processing herself since <laughs> that experience. Yeah. You know, so then I'll tell you another uh, example is um, there was a person who we were having um, Tibetan Himalayan bowls and, and, you know, kind of a nice sound bath in that way. And we always tell all of the people, be very careful, don't get too close to the ears because some people, you know, have um, hearing aids, hearing conditions, et cetera. So apparently one person got very close to uh, this woman's ear and tapped the bowl and it re-triggered her, um, eardrum situation that she had suffered when she was scuba diving and came up too fast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have these situations where we need to um, be aware. It's all about awareness. It's all about being conscious and acting, thinking and acting, speaking from that place of, of 
conscious awareness. And I think that's a really important point you mentioned. And it goes into how how we navigate this whole, um, I mean, with the rise of internet, we have access to so much knowledge, so much sound codes and YouTube and binaural beats you mentioned. Could there be a danger of using these things like binaural beats? I mean, I listen to uh, 40 hertz, gamma, binaural beats, uh, and different forms of binaural beats. It, it assists me in meditation. Are there any dangers involved in terms of doing it too much? And also for your devices, you've picked 30 minutes. Are there dangers of doing it too much? Does that uh, constrain our abilities of our other abilities? Let's say if, if you're doing a binaural beats for focus, that may hinder creativity. Or something like that. What are your thoughts on like navigating the the dangers, the potential dangers of using the, these technologies, and how do we know which one is dangerous and how often I should take this? Really, yeah, because it sounds 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 so powerful, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, like like a drug almost. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, um, you're exactly right, Ali. We need to take a look at. Um, what's enough, what's too much. And um, for each person, it's different. And I believe that you just have to pay attention and develop your awareness. Mm -hmm. Unless you're working with a specific therapist that's saying, listen to this, you know, for an extended period of time. Um, If we go into nature, let's go into nature, to receive our our best prescription for this. If we go into nature, the bird sings early in the morning. Mm. But that bird, and this is a Steiner, (laughs) uh, when the bird calls forth the dawn, it is only for a specific period of time. And then it moves into the next gentle breeze of the flowers opening and so on throughout the day. So if we look at that, there's this natural rhythm that nature follows and we're not listening to the same thing all the time. If we're really wanting to um, entrain to a particular sound, then we need to ask ourselves, what what is the goal of this? Mm -hmm. Because the very best sound that we want to get to is the inner silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Um, we've reached one hour and, and 30 minutes. I just want to think if there's anything else to, to talk about. Um, yeah, I have one more question, actually. And that's for your company and your work and the research you're doing with your devices. At what stage of um, research are you currently in, in terms of substantiating the the things you're claiming in terms of the scientific on a scientific basis um how long does it take for your devices to be tested by multiple scientists across the world or is is it being tested already i i'm not, I, I don't know and yeah because that that gives a lot more exposure to your work and your research and it makes them a lot more widely accessible for people because Music therapy is an alien to scientists and to people. So they would be very open to this. And I think research would be very interested 
Um, what stage of development have you got into in terms of making this accessible to other scientists and inviting them to test your your research and your devices? Thank you. That's a great question. I really appreciate you bringing this up. So um, I have always been open to doing research with universities and, and various parties. Um, the challenge is that um, finding a, a university that's interested because most of them are funded by large pharmaceutical companies. Mm. Um, I don't mean to blame it on the money, but <laughs> uh, the universities receive obscene amounts <laughs> of money, um, you know, for their programs. And so then those departments are, I guess, obligated in some way to research whatever might be to the benefit of, of that um, company. And so therefore, um, not to me, and also, even though I have patents, uh, sound is out there. And uh, even though I have been approached by a couple of pharmaceutical companies to sell my, my patents and, and uh, my uh, company to, I prefer at this time to keep it very available to the general public mm -hmm. and not have it by prescription. I want people to have the freedom to say, I want to use this uh, for my, my own health and my, my family's health. I, um, as far as uh, helping people decide which channel to use. We have a, a panel of advanced therapists who people have uh, free access to, to help them navigate the channels. Right now, I have just made a connection here in Augusta, Georgia, where there's a medical college uh, with one of the deans who is extremely interested in sound. And so that is a real uh, plus for me. So I'm beginning to make a, a step in there and just working with his idea is to put it in the student clinic to help the students with their stress. Mm -hmm. And um, there are a lot of students who come in um, on various medications and anxiety and depression, um, those are symptoms that uh, really need to be addressed. And probably you, your university as well, suicide rates are, are on the rise in universities. So his initiative is to get my device in to help those, because we already know that, that it helps. I, he looked at my preliminary research that I've done myself because I have some uh, um, assessment tools that I use. Like I mentioned with using the, um, the sound visual meditations, we call them the sound flower experiences. Mm -hmm. But when he saw my research of how the stress 
indices uh, show a, a significant decrease after just five to seven minutes, he said, I, I want this for our students. So that's the first step for me. Privately, I fund uh, research. I commission um, doctors and, and uh, different technicians. I just finished a, a one using ultrasound for sports injuries. And um, I have one coming up with uh, blood microscopy, live blood mm -hmm. cells analysis, which, you know, Western medicine usually looks at blood in a different view, but we look at it uh, to track inflammation and oxidative stress, because if we can help people with that, that kind of cuts the corner, cuts them off from that trajectory of um, rapid onset of cardiovascular those types of conditions. Yeah, that's amazing. And just going, this is the final comment or question I have, which is that our modern culture, our modern politics, as you already mentioned, is governed by pharmaceutical industry, governed by vested interest in terms of uh, making money in the in the pharmaceutical industry. And there is a lot of bad things that happen to people who try to revolutionize technology like, like Nikola Tesla, and there was another German scientist at that time. Uh, I'm struggling to remember his name, but he was working with creating um, technologies for, for healing. Um, maybe you can help me with, with this. Oh, who, was that right? Or, or Vol? Uh, maybe Reinhard Vol? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Wilhelm uh, Wilhelm Reich. Reich. Wilhelm Reich. 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 Yeah, which, so the, the, document the declassified documents is that we actually know the cia took his work and actually destroyed it and same same thing happened to nikola tesla uh, i'm just wondering like with the modern um researchers and scientists like yourself this is may sound a crazy question but do you ever fear anything like happening to you or to people who are working in this research in this uh, domain because the effects are so profound if if they are profound, I mean, you you have you are the one working with these people, so you've personally experienced and personally know that how powerful these things can be, and so with with power with great power comes great responsibility, and the people who are you up and up and against are these massive uh, ind pharmaceutical industries, and for them the technologies you're creating could be huge threats. How do you navigate the I don't want to say fear, but the potential dangers of uh, people taking it down. Um, and there's there may be many ways of taking something down. One is by ridiculing it, which is different technique to destroying it and uh, more of a direct attack. So yeah, just this is my last kind of thought that I have because it sounds so amazing at the same time it sounds so dangerous for the people and the powers that be. Um, if it really does change our energy, our physiology, our cells um, with no medication, no medical intervention, just just with sound, that, that sounds revolutionary to me. It is. And, you know, I'm going to add another name to your list, and that's Otto Warburg. And he um, won the Nobel Prize uh, for his research in cancer and using oxygen Um to help turn that around. And if we look at that time frame, I, I just 
posted a, an article on my blog about oxygen and, and uh, I have more coming because we really need to pay attention to this. Back in that time, there were so many researchers researching the uh, publishing on the value of keeping the body oxygenated and all of the conditions that just, you know, were basically wiped away with focusing on increased oxygenation of the body. And suddenly um, the AMA came in and said, uh, we're not doing this. They took all of the oxygenation, all the ozone, all of those devices off the market and said, no, now we're going to, to a pharmaceutical model. Hmm. And so that was just in the 30s and 40s, 50s, you know, then we came out with, you know, all of the antibiotics and the antibiotics certainly have their place. And I am not against Western medicine. I think that it's important for us to have it, to um, reach for it when it is needed. It just would be really great if drugs and surgery could not be the first options. Hmm. At, because I, uh, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's uh, here in this recording who's saying um, we have seen when the overuse of drugs and surgery have incapacitated and greatly affected the quality of one's life. And it doesn't affect just that life. It affects the whole, ripples out into the, the family, the rest of the family and the community. It scars emotionally the family and, and the community in ways that we just don't even recognize. So um, I think for me, what I do is I have to go to sleep at night. And so when I go to sleep, I just say, how did I serve today? And the people who email me back and say, thank you, your device has helped me in these different ways. I'm being fed information from the divine source that I should continue to help people. And when I'm navigating this world of you know, the FDA constraints, I stay within my box and I don't make any medical claims outside of pain and stress relief. Mm -hmm. So if you have been diagnosed with cancer, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, whatever the condition, will my device help you? My device will help you with the pain and stress that you have to deal with, with that condition. And if anything else happens, I'm really happy. I, I'm glad I get to be a part of that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for coming today to talk to me. Uh, I know you've spoken for a long time. It's been over 90 minutes. Um, it's a pleasure speaking to you. I learned a lot from you and I hope to speak to you soon again. Um, I learned actually uh, from, I learned about your work from Dr. Robert J. Gilbert and um, yeah, He's done a lot to uh, promote your devices. And really, I want to maybe in the future to create more experiences, more uh, platform to bring you and Dr. Robert J. Gilbert and probably some other 
healers and scientists to come together and talk about the power of sound, uh, sacred geometry, how we can move it to the next generation um, of healing ourselves, healing the planet with all kinds of technologies that we have available. So thank you so much for coming today and sharing your energy, your understanding and wisdom with me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Ali, thank you for doing what you do to help get the word out because we're all busy in our neck of the universe. Yeah. And uh, it's really wonderful that there are people like you um, helping us get the word to those who are interested. So thank you. Thank you.